this is a picture of uh, me and Jen. Uh, this is uh, one week before we were married. This is uh, one week before our lives would change uh, forever. And if you look into those eyes, you can see how we are uh, completely in love and completely ignorant of the experience that we are about to have together for the rest of our lives. Um, I'm a week away there from uh, being a married man and learning what it's like to live without closet space, uh, to learning what it means uh, to learn how many shoes uh, a woman needs, uh, really needs. And my wife is uh, about ready to learn what it's like to be married to a perfect man. And uh, <laughs> I'm just repeating what she has said, uh, or maybe she disagreed when I said it, don't remember, doesn't matter. But uh, this is uh, one week before our marriage, and we would have no idea how much of, of a glorious experience is in front of us. I have no idea uh, of how glorious it's going to be to be a soulmate with my wife, Jen, and how eventually we're going to have two kids who bring us gladness and occasionally bring their dirty dishes to the dishwasher without being asked. I had no idea how much joy would fill my life. I thought I knew. But I was wrong. It's so much more. Well, this is uh, Palm Sunday. And uh, Palm Sunday is exactly one week before Easter Sunday. And what happened on Easter Sunday was set up by Jesus on Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, the people understood exactly what Jesus was doing. He was proclaiming himself as the promised king. And so they laid palm branches before him as it's recorded in John chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. A large crowd found out that Jesus was in the town of Bethany and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the people were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the Passover heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with Jesus when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. 
in this account, you get a feel for the powder keg that was under this day. On one hand, you have this euphoric mob who wants to coronate Jesus. And on the other hand, you have these religious leaders who want to kill Jesus. As polarized as these two groups are, they have one thing in common. Neither group understands how in seven days they would experience the most important event in human history. So on this Palm Sunday, I would like to go back and speak to three people on that first Palm Sunday, seven days before the resurrection, a week before their lives would be forever changed. I'd like to begin by... uh, speaking uh, with uh, Peter. Uh, Peter was the unofficial leader of the uh, band that followed Jesus, and he was there on that first Palm Sunday. And I think if we were to interview him on that day, he would say something like this. My name is Peter. At least that's the uh, nickname that Jesus gave me. My birth name is Simon, which means one who listens. Not a good name for me, No kidding, Uh, the rabbis kicked me out of school because I would not listen. So I became a fisherman. And on my worst fishing day of my career, my co-workers had spent all day out on the lake. We caught nothing. I came back on shore. I was cleaning my nets. It was a strange day that was about to become stranger. The stranger was a man named Jesus. I had heard about him, but... I was not seeking him out. My experience with rabbis was not very good. But Jesus came looking for me, and he had a big crowd with him. And he said to me, Simon, can I borrow your boat? And so I said, sure. And so Jesus got into my boat, and he began to teach the people on shore. And I was cleaning my nets, and then Jesus said something about how he was starting the kingdom the kingdom of God. And my ears perked at that because I always wanted to be part of something big. I wanted to show those rabbis who I really was. I was interested in a king and a kingdom. And while I was thinking about that, Jesus interrupted my thinking by saying, Simon, it's time to go fishing again. And I said, please, we were out there all day. And we didn't catch a thing. And then Jesus said, well, the reason you didn't catch anything, Simon, is because you threw your net on the wrong side of the boat. And everybody laughed except me. I wasn't taking fishing advice from a carpenter. Uh, To humor everyone, I went ahead and went out in the boat, put the net down, and when I brought it up, I received the catch of my career. I had more fish that can fit in my boat. And I went back to shore with all those fish. And Jesus said to me, Simon, follow me. And so I did. And you wouldn't believe the things that I have seen. I've seen Jesus heal people. I saw him cast demons out of people. I've This lake where I grew up, where I spent all these years working, I saw Jesus walk on these waters. I saw Jesus calm a storm on the lake with a word. And so I was ready when Jesus gathered the 12 of us together. And uh, he said, you've been with me for 
two years now. Who do you think that I am? And I said, you are the promised king, promised in Scripture, the Messiah. And Jesus said, Simon, you are a good listener, but I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Peter because you are the rock. And on what you just said, I will build my kingdom. The bedrock is what you just said about me. And uh, I am a rock. When it comes to Jesus, I am a rock. Jesus is the king. I'm sure of it. He's going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to set up his kingdom. And I am going to be right by his side. Now, that doesn't mean that I understand everything that Jesus says. Jesus talks a lot about dying, about how his father sent him to die. And I always say the same thing. Jesus, uh, we're all going to die someday. But then I change the subject because someone like Jesus shouldn't be thinking about dying. Especially after what Jesus did a few days ago. Everybody's heard about it. You can ask around. Uh, my friend Lazarus was stone cold in the tomb for days, dead. And Jesus walked into the tomb and brought dead Lazarus to life. <laughs> he brought him to life. And if Jesus can bring dead people to life, he's the last person who should be worried about dying. In fact, I'll tell you who should be worried about dying. It's the Romans. Because, you see, if, if Jesus has the power to bring dead people to life, then he also has the power to bring living people to, well, I'm just saying, those Romans ought to be worried. Because Jesus is bringing his kingdom. And I'm going to be right by his side. He's bringing his kingdom, and it's going to be soon. Based on what Jesus did today, in fulfillment of Scripture, he rode as king into Jerusalem. He's ready to set up his kingdom, and I'll be right by his side. I'm the rock, and I'll never let him down. That's Peter. But I'd like to introduce you to someone else from the Palm Sunday story, although he was not part of the parade of when Jesus entered Jerusalem. He couldn't be because he was in a Jerusalem jail. And if we were to talk to him, interview him on Palm Sunday, I think he'd say something like this. I am Barabbas, and I am a dead man. I'm not dead yet, but I will be. I will be crucified soon. Oh, that's what they say around here, day and night, day and night. You are going to be crucified, and we're going to love to do it. Oh, they tell me, I will be crucified. When they will nail me to the lumber, that's the part they never tell you, because they know what it does to your mind to live in this pit of despair. They know what it does to your heart to not know whether this day is the last and worst day. I am a freedom fighter. I murdered those Roman soldiers and I'd do it again. But because of it, this freedom fighter will never be free. I keep my feelings to myself. But if I can be honest with you, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of each day and what it might bring. I'm afraid of the cross. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid of what comes after death. And so I cry out, 
God, save me. Lord, set me free. (laughs) I don't know why I bother. I don't know God, and God does know me, that's for sure. I know the difference between what is possible and what is impossible. My situation is hopeless. I am a dead man. That's Barabbas. Now I'd like to introduce you to the person who is Barabbas' worst nightmare. The man who is in charge of all the crucifixions in Jerusalem. He's a centurion, which means that he's a Roman military commander, a commander of 100 Roman soldiers. And if we were to interview him on Palm Sunday, I think he would say something like this. Yeah, I've seen it all. You know, when it's your job to day after day bring hordes of human filth up the hill of Golgotha to have them crucified, you learn the real human nature. Let me tell you, my spikes, they prove who a man really is on the inside. And I've seen it all, and it's never good. Some guys I crucify, and what comes pouring out is anger and hatred. I drive in those spikes, and they are spitting at me and screaming words of curse, like the demons that they are. Some of the guys I crucify, and they're squirming like little puppies, crying for mommies, begging for mercy, like the cowards that they are. (laughs) I've seen it all, and it's never good. People say I'm hard-hearted and that there are decent people in the world, but I say anybody can act. Anybody can act good and decent and kind and confident, but just let me do what I do. Let me work my specialty on them, and you will see what is on the inside. My spikes don't lie. My spikes reveal who a person really is on the inside, and I've seen it all, and it's never good. Three people. And what they were thinking on Palm Sunday. But here's the interesting part. They are all wrong. Peter is wrong. Barabbas is wrong. The centurion is wrong. Peter is wrong. He thinks of himself as a rock who would never fail Jesus. And yet, we know what happened just days after Palm Sunday. A servant girl came to Peter and said, Weren't you one of those who followed Jesus? And Peter said, I don't know the man. What would make the rock deny his king? Well, we know it wasn't fear. It was something more complicated than that. We know it wasn't fear because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter drew a sword to attack those who came to arrest Jesus. And he brought that blade down and he cut off in the ear. But then he heard Jesus say, Peter, put the sword away. And Jesus reached out and healed the ear that Peter had damaged. And then Peter, to his horror, saw Jesus Willingly be arrested, submit to a mock trial, and be sentenced to death. Peter's dreams of a kingdom side by side with Jesus, an earthly kingdom of power and fame and comfort and luxury, those dreams came crashing down. And that is why Peter denied Jesus. And when Peter denied the third time, 
and he heard the morning rooster crow. He remembered that Jesus had predicted that he would do this. And all of a sudden, the crushing weight of his failure came down upon Peter. And he realized that he had abandoned his best friend, the one who loved him the most, at the time when his friend really needed him. And now Jesus was dead, and he would never see Jesus again. But we know that Peter was wrong. Because seven days after that first Palm Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose, his followers were elated. They, they welcomed Jesus back with celebration, all except for one, Peter. Oh, Peter celebrated, but he celebrated at a distance because of his shame, because of his fear of Jesus, that Jesus would reject him the way Peter had rejected Jesus. And so Peter snuck out the back door, and he went back to fishing. He went back to his boat on the lake, and while he was fishing, he heard someone on shore say, Hey, why don't you try throwing the net on the other side of the boat? And when he did, and he brought up that net, and it was full of a miraculous catch, he knew that that person speaking on shore was Jesus, and that Jesus was bringing Peter back to that first day when they met, and that Jesus was not only saying that the past was the past, but that Jesus was calling him to a new and better future of following him in the days ahead. And so Peter jumped out of the boat and he swam to shore. And then with tears of joy, he just fell into the arms of complete forgiveness. And maybe Peter's story is your story today. Maybe you have walked away from Jesus due to some disillusionment or unanswered prayer or some dashed dream. And you've walked away from Jesus out of disappointment. Or maybe you've introduced distance between you and Jesus because of your sense of failure, your shame before Jesus. And you think that there's no way back. You think that there's no way to start over again. And what Jesus would say to you is that just like Peter, you are wrong. And Jesus is calling you back. He's calling you back to the embrace of his complete forgiveness. Not only so that you can go back, but that, so that you can have a renewed call. A renewed call for the future where your best days in following Jesus are just ahead. Maybe your story is the same story as Peter's story. And Jesus is calling you back to him. You know, Peter was wrong. There is a way to start over. There is a way. And that's through Jesus' forgiveness. Barabbas was also wrong. Barabbas was convinced that his situation was hopeless, that God had forgotten him, and he would never be free. And he was wrong. It was Passover, and Governor Pilate decided in a snap decision to release Barabbas in exchange for someone who would die on the cross in his place. That someone was Jesus. And so when Barabbas was released into the light of freedom, he had one question on his mind. And every person answered his question the same way. 
Barabbas, you are free because Jesus died on the cross in your place. And I identify with Barabbas because that's how God set me free. God set me free when I accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on my behalf. When I knew that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I was able to receive God's forgiveness because Jesus paid the debt that I could not pay. And I received hope and life and freedom from fear, even the fear of death. And maybe your story is Barabbas' story. That you're here today and you're a prisoner. You're a prisoner of the past. You're a prisoner of bitterness because someone hurt you. You're a prisoner of hopelessness, a prisoner of fears and worries of every kind, including the fear of death. Jesus can set you free. Jesus wants to release you from what holds you if you would turn to him and allow him to Give you the forgiveness that comes with Jesus taking your place. Call on Him. He's the Savior. That's why He came. To die in your place. To set you free. Barabbas was wrong. Barabbas was wrong. His situation was not hopeless. But there was hope. Because nothing is impossible for those who have Jesus take their place on the cross. The centurion was wrong as well. The centurion was convinced that he had seen it all and there were no surprises. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that this centurion was at the cross while Jesus was being crucified. He was probably the one who brought those spikes into Jesus' hand. And his idea that the spikes reveal who a person is, became true. Because when this centurion saw Jesus on the cross, when that centurion heard him speak words of love and forgiveness from the cross, this centurion realized that the spikes revealed who Jesus really was. And so the gospel writers say that the centurion at the cross of Jesus, when Jesus gave up his spirit, that centurion said in a loud voice, Surely this man is the Son of God. And maybe the centurion's story is your story. Because the centurion was not just surprised by Jesus. He was transformed by Jesus. Maybe your story is that you think you've seen it all. And you will never change. That you're too old to change. You're too hard to change. You've seen too much. You've seen too little to ever change. But Jesus wants to surprise you. He wants to change you as you come to see him for who he really is. And in all his goodness and his holiness and his perfection and his love and mercy and forgiveness. He wants to transform you into His image, to make you who you were created to be, to help you receive His power through the infilling of His Holy Spirit so that you, who maybe have seen everything, you think you've seen it all. Jesus wants to say, you haven't seen it all. He wants to surprise you. It's the way He can change you with His Spirit. So, these are three. Peter, Barabbas, 
and the centurion. But there's one more chair. And this chair represents you and your story. Because Jesus wants his story to change your story. And so, what's your story today? Is your story like Peter? And your story today is that Jesus is calling you back. He's calling you to leave behind your sense of failure and your guilt and your shame and start over. Start over in the embrace of his complete forgiveness. Or maybe your story is the same story as Barabbas. And Jesus is is saying to you, I want to set you free. I want to release you from what holds you. Don't decide what is impossible. Let me redraw the lines of what is possible in your life. Let me set you free from whatever holds you and chains you today. Or maybe your story is the same as the centurion, where Jesus wants to surprise you. He wants to surprise you who think that there is no possibility that you will ever truly change or be transformed. That you've seen it all. Jesus wants to surprise you today by filling you again and afresh with His Spirit so that you can live more like Jesus through His power. Maybe you thought that you were coming on this Palm Sunday and it would be like every other Palm Sunday you've ever experienced. I pray that just like Peter, just like Barabbas, just like the centurion, I pray that you joyfully experience firsthand that you are wrong.